This is the Podcast Inc. production. Booyah! This is the moment podcasting fans listening around the world have been waiting for. Coming to you not so live from a listening device of your choice. It's time! Podcasting out of this corner, a mixed martial talker, holding no professional record. He stands at six feet one and one half inches tall, weighing in at whatever he feels like, hailing out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, presenting the sometimes angry, always funny, Self-proclaimed podcasting champion of the world, Steve Fingerstyles! So, welcome to another rendition of the podcast. I am here once again, always again, and brought to you by First Row Collectibles, if you're into nerd culture, if you're into sports memorabilia, if you're into wrestling memorabilia, please visit firstrow.ca. Use promo code THEPODCAST20 to receive 20% off. They got a ton of stuff from all the major sporting leagues, old comic books, new comic books, signed sports memorabilia, signed wrestling memorabilia. So please visit them at firstrow.ca. They ship worldwide and even better, they update daily. And if you're into video games and books, please visit bossfightbooks.com for great books on classic video games. You'll find titles like Super Mario Bros. 2, World of Warcraft, GoldenEye 007, and so many others. Everything you see on their website is available in paperback and ebook format. So please check them out at bossfightbooks.com. And if you're to support me directly, you can visit my merchandise store at tpublic.com or scroll down on today's device. It's embedded right there in the description. Click on that link. It takes you right to the merchandise store. I got everything from hoodies to t-shirts, travel mugs, phone cases, anything you need or want. It is there. But the easiest thing, the most important thing, the best thing to do to support the show is rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms, most specifically Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. So, this week's guest is a roaster and screenwriter whom you may have seen at the Comedy Store, Comedy Central's Roast Battle, the World Series of Comedy, and the Burbank Comedy Festival, to name just a few. Stand-up comedian, Greg Roque. Hey, thanks for having me. No, thank you very much for being here, my friend. How are you today? I'm doing well, doing well. Gonna have to buy some memorabilia from the sponsor now. Oh, that's it. Oh, so, okay. Before we get into anything, obviously, we've got a lot to touch on, my friend. What are you into from the nerd culture world, then? Oh, I mean, let's see. I, I mean, I used to be big into video games, but mostly, I mean, I love movies, uh, comic books. Started watching uh, wrestling again because I got a, oh. I kind of had like a, a break. Uh, like, I was really into it into middle school and high school. And okay. then the, uh, 
the Benoit stuff happened, oh, and shit. I was like, oh man, I can't, I can't, I can't watch it anymore. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Oh my god! But you know what? It's not only you. A lot of people do that. Like you're into it in school, and then you break off, and then you come back again, and so forth and so on. Okay, so what did you grow up on? What made you become a wrestling fan to begin with? Uh, I mean, it was just always on TV. Like I'm. Uh, my my parents are both Mexican, so I grew okay. up watching a lot of uh, lucha libre, triple nice. A. So I I grew up more with like the the, the acrobatic, like uh, technical type of stuff, and then from there, obviously everyone everyone watched WWF, and then it became WWE, and so there was it was a nice little marriage of convenience there. Have you ever gone to watch any event live? Oh, you know, funny only in Mexico. I oh, I've never better. been to like an yeah, I've never been to one in uh, to like. I, w- I wanted to go to uh, WrestleMania when it was in LA, but okay. I was like, yeah, I can't. I don't, don't want to deal with all the traffic. And I also AEW, but at the same time, I was like, yeah, it's going to be too packed. But uh, I went to Mexico City on a Thursday, okay. and I wasn't feeling well the next day. And that very night, uh, Andrade Idolo made his return to, uh, to CMLL. So I was very disappointed that I missed that. So what are you into nowadays? Again, you, you mentioned AEW. Wanted to go to WrestleMania. Do you watch everything, or are you or are you selective? I mostly watch what comes up on my YouTube. Like I follow, you know, WWE, AEW, and some some of my friends send me like regional and territorial stuff. And I just I just like again, I I, I don't have enough time to get invested into the storyline. So now I just watch from like a technical standpoint, you know. No, I totally get it because it is a lot to consume nowadays and to watch everything is like virtually impossible. That's why I always like to pick people's mind to see what they're into because there are so many promotions now. And again, as you know, being from Mexican descent, there's like promotions everywhere. Like there's not just what you see on TV, right? So it's always interesting to see, but always on the top of the list, WWE, AEW, are are you currently up to date with their storylines? No, no, it's just, it's too much to keep up with. So I'll, I'll watch the pay-per-view like okay. uh, over here in the States. We have, we have Peacock and that, that gives me access to a lot of the pay-per-views. So, I mean, I was, uh, I, I, I was disappointed with how they handled uh, Cody Rhodes return. Oh, I really okay. thought, you know, they were going to give, I thought they were giving him the bell, but you know, they, they really want Roman Reigns to, uh, to, you know, to be the face. And it's funny now because he's becoming a meme of about like I saw one the other day where he was writing that dragon from Never Ending Story, and because him it was to finish the story, but now it's Cody Rhodes' Never Ending Story, and it shows him on that dragon from the movie from the eighties. It's it's hilarious. <laughs> nice. Yeah, but but yeah, no, that, no, that's I mean that's pretty much the extent to what I've been watching. I'm more into like the uh, into the visual arts, you know. No, I totally get it. Well, I, obviously, you're also into comedy. That's part of the arts, too. But before we get there, for people who don't know, you are in a wheelchair, my friend. You do stand-up comedy. How ironic that is in its own right. And again, when I saw your 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 stuff and I was going through it, and one of your opening lines is that the hardest thing about doing comedy is coming up on stage. I couldn't stop laughing because you're like, that's your problem. And it's like, I love people who poke fun of themselves. Like, I consider your comedy smart but dark, if that makes sense. Do, do you agree with that? I mean, I, I try to uh, put a lot of effort into jokes because, you know, I've, I've seen my fair share of uh, disabled comics and there's only a few I really like because okay. I feel like they're actually pushing the envelope and doing stuff because like you said you know like i i've seen so many dudes in wheelchairs and i always want to root for them but then they're like oh, i'm gonna do stand-up comedy but i'm sitting down it's like come on bro like 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 you're doing you know like like write some two jokes man uh 
but yeah, I, I mean, for for the most part, I like like uh, I'd rather take my time with the joke and spend time like rewriting and, and getting it just getting the the essence down rather than kind of like more of the spontaneous you know like stream of consciousness stuff that a lot of people do but you know to each their own man no it's so true so okay again for people who don't know were you always bound to a wheelchair your whole life or did this come afterwards no no this happened in high school i was actually yeah. funny enough i was uh, in wrestling practice i uh, i landed on my neck oh no so that's how it happened. Wow. And yeah, then it was just... I got draws. Oh, I was just going to say. Oh, man. That's horrible. So then how did you get into stand-up then? Like, how was it the transition of just, you know, wanting to go into stand-up and, like, being into comedy altogether? I don't know. That kind of happened uh, in college. I, oh. I, like, well, I tried, it right ap- I tried it right after high school, and I was terrible, so I okay. didn't want to do it again. Sure. So, so I, I took, like, maybe a two-, three-year break. And then I, I went back to it when I, um, my buddy and I went to a bar and next to the bar was, uh, was an open mic okay. and he's like, ah, just go up there. And then I did it and this time was better. And that was, you know, a little over eight years ago. And so I, I just, I just kept going with it and it doesn't seem, there doesn't seem to be any signs of stopping. No, that's fantastic. And I named right off the top when I introduced you all kinds of stuff you've already been featured in and stuff. But I've never heard of, tell you the truth, the World Series of Comedy. What is the World Series of Comedy? Well, it's just a big, like, I, I, I guess it's international because they have, like, comics from everywhere. But it's essentially okay. in America. Okay. It's like, basically, there's a bunch of different regions and satellites and you move up and then you perform in the main event in Vegas. Oh. And, you know. And, you know, there's been some people who have won, who have, like, gone on to do cool things. Like, I think uh, Ty Rivera was someone who won it. And I think uh, okay. uh, uh, Tamar Cadden Catan, I know I was, I was, like, mispronouncing his name. But, I mean, those are funny dudes who are now, like, you know, doing stuff on, uh, you know, like, Ty's every, uh, is on, like, Kill Tony every once in a while. Right. And Tamar's just killing it overseas in Europe. So, I mean, it's a, it's a great launching pad if you, you know, if you can win it. No, of course, and that sounds fantastic, and you just named a couple of great people right there in their own rights, for sure. Okay, so how about this? Being in a wheelchair, do you ever get heckled? What's, like, the most annoying fan experience you've ever had? I get, uh, I would say I get reverse heckled, where, like, I've never had a guy say, oh, you fucking suck, you know, like, that's really never been my experience. However, if there is a joke that I do that... Uh, you know, it's making fun of myself and maybe it's a little too uncomfortable for the audience. They're like, right. they refrain from laughing. And so it's like, it's a, it's a struggle where I really have to try to say, no, it's okay to laugh at this. And, but for some people, you know, it's, uh, you know, again, it's, 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 it's novel, you know, it's not something they see every day. So That's true. hopefully, you know, with, with each show I do, you know, I, I chip away at that, that sort of cold veneer they have, you know? <laughs> No, it's true because that's one thing I did notice. Like you were killing all, like all your material is solid, and then you you sort of see it and hear it in the audience where they're like, and they want to laugh, but they're like, oh, I can't, I, I feel bad. But it's like he's the comedian; he's telling you a joke. That's the job. Like, why not laugh? Like, if he's making fun of himself, why not go along with the joke as well, right? Yeah, I, I mean, and I and I, you know, I mean, I get it. Like, I appreciate it because I, I I think there are certain things, you know we're taught as kids, you know, they're like, Hey, you know, don't make fun of the, you know, the, the, the kids in the special education sure. room or, you know, the, don't make fun of the kids who ride the, the short yellow bus. And so <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm happy. Most people have a uh, eternal internalized that, but you know, there's, there, there are times where it's, um, we're getting, it, it feels unfair because it's like, man, I really 
spent a lot of time crafting this joke. I like, I want you to laugh uh, both at me and at the joke, you know, but you know, like, like I said, I, I think, I think, uh, I think more and more people are, are, are opening up to it. So, I mean, that's something to look forward to. I'm not keeping my fingers crossed, you know? No, for sure. Now, how about crazy venues that you performed at throughout the years? Uh, when, when I used to do Vegas a lot, like, uh, there used to be a, a showroom at the Sapphire, which okay. is like the biggest, like, like, you know, you know, the biggest strip club in the world. Right. And, and it's funny because like, they'd have like a burlesque, like a girl would come out and, you know, like just show her tits and ass and they have me doing comedy, which I Shut thought up. was like the weirdest combo. But, uh, but you know, the strippers liked me. So that was, that was cool. <laughs> oh my God. That's hilarious. Do you have a, now, do you have any issues with venues that are not accessible to yourself have you ever run over those over the years oh yeah like pretty much i you know i i don't you know i don't know the exact percentage but so many venues are inaccessible that i usually travel with like one or two friends to help uh lift me on the stage and you know comics are more than are more than willing to lend a hand but you know a lot of the a lot of the like prestigious venues you know the ones that got that have a legacy and all that stuff i mean they were grandfathered in so like you know, like the the comedy store. Uh, I believe getting into the main stage isn't an issue, but like mm-hmm. try getting into the belly room where you have to go up these stairs. Where, where I used to do roast battle all the time, like it oh, literally shit. took like three or four guys lifting me up the flight of stairs so I could get into that small room. My goodness. Okay, and I always try to look at the positive things. Like, and the reason why I could laugh at everything too. I, I don't know if people know or not, but my mom was bound to a wheelchair the thirteen my first thirteen years of my life. So it's not that I know how it feels, but I know how it is to live with someone. If that makes sense, that's that's in a wheelchair, right? So I, I, I like to me, it's all funny shit because it's stuff I could even relate to, even though I wasn't in a wheelchair. So it, it, it's great stuff. But being positive, what is one thing you love about being in a wheelchair? I think, and I think this extends to to not only comics and wheelchairs, but trans comics, black comics, gay comics, whatever. Okay. I think when when you're just not your typical white guy going on stage, I think people subconsciously want to root for you, mm. and I think that's a huge advantage going going on to the stage. So like like I feel like going in there, like I don't have to work as hard to to get the first laugh going, I feel like the, the, the audience is like, all right, let's, let's, you know, I, I, I want to root for this guy. And, and so that, I, I think that like takes a big burden, uh, you know, like sure. off of the uh, performance, especially the, the anxiety that comes with it. No, for sure. No. And that totally makes sense. And now again, being funny and trying to make this lighthearted, have you ever run over someone? Uh, accidentally. Yeah. <laughs> not on purpose yet. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I mean, like again, like when you're in tight spaces, like I was in, uh, I was in Japan this past summer okay. doing some roasting, roasting stuff there, and oh, like nice. I mean, you know, every, everyone's packed like sardines. So like when you're trying to move, like you're running over people's feet and stuff, and and I felt bad, and then I also didn't know how to apologize in Japanese, so I just like I just bowed. You know? Oh my god, that's hilarious. okay. So now, when you perform internationally, is it always in English? I would assume so, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, you know, I speak conversational Spanish, but and I, I have some jokes, but not enough to do, like, you know, like a 30, 45-minute set, you know? Is that something you ever think you would want to do in the future, though? Uh, maybe. I, I think I, I got to brush up on my uh, Spanish more, like I said. Because, you know, comedy, at least for me, is, 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 a, is a series of language games. You know, it's mm-hmm. the way you manipulate language. And, sure. uh, you know, because I'm more comfortable with, with English than Spanish, I feel like I don't get the, the exact nuances and, like, 
um, you know, just the specificity that comes with my style of comedy. So, you know, I'll start uh, start cracking open some more Spanish books and reading, and hopefully, you know, in, in 15 years, I'll have a nice set. <laughs> there you go. No, for sure. Well, and speaking of Spanish, your last name, Roque, that's funny because I'm Portuguese, and this last name is also a Portuguese last name. I don't know if you're aware of that. And the first time I looked you up, I thought you were Portuguese too. And I was like, oh, he must be Portuguese. And then you, you dropped me, you were Mexican. I'm like, oh, damn. I'm like, but do you know of any Portuguese lineage in your bloodline or anything? No, no. Um, but uh, I, I have a lot of Brazilian friends and they, and they call me, they call me Hulk. They call me Hulky. Yes. Cause that's how you say it in Portuguese. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so like, and the, the only, like the first time I saw someone with my name was actually, uh, I mean, I, you're Portuguese, so I'm assuming you're going to like uh, soccer, sure. uh, but like it was, it was the Brazilian uh, national team. They had Hulky Jr. Yes. And you know, that was, that was like the first time I was like, holy crap, someone else has my name. <laughs> that's hilarious. And you also mentioned obviously the roasting. You've done roasting, you've done roast battles. How'd you get into this? This was actually uh, because of a, a buddy of mine who has uh, cerebral palsy, another comic in wheelchair, Joe Urell. Okay. He was like kind of the, he was the grandfather of like uh, uh, disabled roasters. And he, you know, he by that point he had like seven battles under his belt. I don't, I don't know. And one day he's just like, hey bro, I want to do a, a wheelchair versus wheelchair roast battle. Like I want to just give the audience something good. And so I went, this was my very first roast battle. Okay. And it, 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 luckily it was like battle of the night because people hadn't seen it. It's just two guys in, in wheelchairs talking about, you know, shitting themselves oh and God. not getting boners or whatever. <laughs> and, and yeah, you can find it on my Instagram and all this stuff, but yeah, that's right. essentially it. And then, after that, um, uh, Joe, like again, had had the foresight to record it, and uh, the the video got sent to Jeff Ross, and then like nice. um, then a couple weeks later, they said, "Hey, do you want to be on Comedy Central?" And I honestly thought it was like a prank or something, but that's that's how I got my first TV spot completely because another wheelchair comic wanted to uh, up the ante. Now, do you like to be labeled as a, just a roaster, or do you want to just be like fully encompassed, like as a full stand up? I mean, I don't mind if someone calls me a roaster. I, I mean, like, it's not like, again, I, I do comedy and, you know, I'll, I'll writing and stuff. But like, to me, it's like, it's like calling uh, Ice Cube a rapper. It's like, yeah, he's also a, 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 a director, an That's actor, but like, I, I don't think he's going to be a basketball league owner, you know? I don't think he's going to get mad if like, hey, it's Ice Cube the rapper, you know? No, it's true. I guess it's whatever you're known for, for that sort of person that's into you, right? No, for sure, most definitely. Okay, so how about this? What's the most horrible thing you said to someone during a roast battle? That, but, but obviously, was funny as shit. Most horrible. Let me think. Like, and then as you said it, you're like, shit. Should I've actually said that? <laughs> but then it still went over. Obviously, you know, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't think I have any like regrets in. Um, in like the meanness of things I said, okay. I think there was one joke uh, when I was when I was battling Paige Wesley, an amazing roaster, and she's um, she uh, you know she's uh, she's a little more buxom, and so uh, so I had a joke that I said uh, the only time Paige can't get a hold of greasy meat is when she tries to find her pussy, oh, shit. and then and the whole audience starts shouting <laughs> Arby's, we have the meats, and I, that I felt bad. I was like, oh man, oh. like, but it, but you know at, at the same time, you know when uh, we we both. Every, each roaster has that uh, that kind of that that rule that like when you go into the the coliseum or whatever like yeah you're they're gonna try to say the meanest shit so you know it's we, we, I mean we're all cool but I still felt bad at the moment just hearing a whole 
crowd full of drunk guys yelling Arby's, you know? Yeah, that is pretty rough. My goodness. Now, like you said, is there like some sort of imaginary line where you guys are not allowed to cross that no one does cross? Uh, I I would say no. I mean, it it depends. Like, I know there are some uh, roasters who have like, you know, secrets they're keeping from their family, whether it's like they haven't come out yet or, you know, like, or or, I I know for me, like the one thing is um, my wife didn't like when they would make fun of her. And I would, so my my thing would be like, look, did you make fun? You can include my wife in a joke as long as I'm, you know, the the basis of it, not just like, oh, his wife fucking sucks or whatever. So that's, I mean, that's really the only rule for me. Um, But like, you know, but yeah, I mean, there are some people who are just, there are no rules, you know. Now, are you able to roast someone on the spot, or do you need to know this person personally? Um, I mean, I, I can roast people on the spot, but I think, it like, obviously, the, the more you know someone, the more details you have, the more personalized the roast could be. Because, like, I mean, there's a, you know, there's, there's a... You know, like, I could see you and, like, ah, oh, you know, you look like, you know, bootleg Tom Segura, you know, you know, whatever, like, something so superficial. Sure. But then, like, if I if I find out, let's say, like, oh, you know, you peed yourself in, like, elementary school or something, you know, and then, yeah. I, I get it, it's, the more you know about someone, uh, the better. And, and that's why I think when two friends roast each other, mm. it really is, like, beautiful, beautiful, and it is a... It is kind of a, a bastardized love language where it's like right. where it's like oh I know you I know you so well your darkest secrets let me uh, let me make fun of you for your insecurities you know that's and to me I don't know that's special and I, I really enjoy that feeling and that camaraderie. Now, have you had people come to you in public and just be like roast me on the spot <laughs> and are you sick of that? <laughs> no, no, I've never. Uh, it's, I'm, not, I'm not big enough to, to do that. I mean, I've had people. Weirdly enough, I've had people on the street say, oh, I saw your comedy or I saw your roast battle. And they they were just very nice, but they were never like, all right, man, you know, here's uh, here's 10, here's 10 facts about me. Roast me. I mean, that would be cool. I mean, if some, the first person, yeah, I'll, I'll put that, I'll put that on, on, on audio. If uh, the first person who does that, I will, I will roast them on the spot. So this is this open invitation. There you go. Challenge accepted by the people, I guess. <laughs> okay, so what were some of your comics that you looked up to before you broke into comedy? Uh, so, I mean, so, I mean, my, so at the time, like, my uh, my mom, let's so my parents were divorced, so my mom's boyfriend was, like, big into the classics, so, you know, I'd listen to, you know, Richard Pryor and George Carlin, and as I got older, you know, Carlin still sticks around, and so mm-hmm. does Pryor. But, um, you know, then I, I got into, like, Steve Martin was a big one, uh, Norm MacDonald, and uh, as far as contemporaries go, really got into uh, Gerard Carmichael, Jamar Neighbors, um, Anthony Jeselnik. Uh, so I kind of, and, and actually, I think in high school, probably the comic I most loved most loved, excuse me, was Mitch Hedberg because I just loved sort of the 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 the, the one and done type of jokes, just like a, like a machine gun sure. of one liners. And same with like Stephen Wright, you know, like someone mm. like someone like that who can just craft something self contained without a story. I know I, I've always admired comics like that. No, that's awesome. And now, what I always wonder too, now that you're in in the business of comedy who's someone that you didn't appreciate before but now that you understand comedy you're like shit this guy's amazing or her let's see yeah i'm trying to think who because again like uh, the comics i've liked i've always liked i'm trying to think of you know okay this is um so this one this one's kind of a uh a weird one where 
like growing up, uh, being a being a Mexican American from from LA, uh, George Lopez was obviously a big influence. Sure. And then later, as he kind of like rehashed a lot of the same material, I was like, oh man, I, this guy's kind of sold out. I don't think he's done that stuff. Hmm. But looking back, just thinking all he's done, how now he is the prototypical Chicano comic. I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, he didn't really have too much of a blueprint to work with. He created that blueprint. So as I as I look. Back, I I, I I I take it more easy on on George Lopez because you know like at the end of the day he is one of the goats and there wouldn't be there wouldn't be half as many Mexican American comics if it weren't for him you know actually that's a good sh- shout out too because I was sort of in that vein too I was thinking uh, people are going to crucify me for this I never liked Chappelle's early stuff I started liking him later and it's sort of like same thing with George Lopez like I started appreciating him after. Because, like, maybe when he came out with his TV show, that's when it was like, okay, I'm gonna go stick out, check out his stand up. Because before it was just like, oh, whatever, he's just like uh, another guy on TV. But then it was like, oh, okay, this guy is good, this guy does deserve his own show, like, you know what I mean? And then, like, it, it's crazy how the perspective changes over the years. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I mean, like, now, again, with like, uh, you know, with the exception of some comics who I just don't find funny, who, I, who I'm not going to name drop. Cause, of course not. You know, I'm not, not going to be I'm not going to be Cat Williams. Uh, but uh, but yeah, no, it's like I, you know, I, Carlin had that quote whenever he says, you know, whenever a, a, a new comic goes up, like I'm rooting him because I want to hear just a good five minutes. So mm. I'm, at, I'm at like a positive stage now. You know, when you're younger, you're competitive. You're like, ah, I can be funnier than this person. But at the end of the day, you're like. This person's going up. They've, you know, they've worked hard to get where they are. You know, unless they're Chris D'Elia. and uh, and so you know, you gotta, you, get, you just gotta respect. You just gotta respect the the hustle. You know, it's that. I mean, that's just it's 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 not easy. It's I mean, it's not easy to to talk in front of people. I mean, everyone's of always like, not. oh, you know, public speak. Public speaking is my biggest fear. Mm-hmm. But now it's like you have to try to make a, a room full of people laugh. It's and then and then especially if you're doing bar shows, like half the people. I would say more than half. I'd say like eighty percent of the people don't want to be there. But you have to do this in order to work on your craft. I mean, yeah, that's that, that's some that's some stubborn persistence. Now, how about this? On the flip side, how do you feel about those people who are like instant? over the night comics that just come in and then all of a sudden you're selling rooms and doing all and then didn't really put into work that come from other worlds so, so to speak i mean it, you know honestly it doesn't bug me that much because i mean like i think the 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 comics who who are really good and really understand the craft and are saying something they're gonna last they might be like a slow burn where it's like okay it might take them years to kind of build this fandom and you know like tiktok TikTok stars going to, you know, selling out like an improv or something exactly. like, yeah, you know, they can, they can fill it out, but you know, eventually, you know, like people move on. So, you know, it really is, you know, I, I, you know, if you want to be a, if someone's a flash in the pan, uh, comic, like, I don't really care. Like it doesn't bug me. I, cause I, I think the, the, the guys who are stupid and like, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's really just stupid to keep doing it. I, you know, I think they're, they'll, they'll get their dues and it may not look like what they want it to look like, but you know, it'll be, it'll be something you know you should appreciate. Yeah, no kidding. And again, it's all about perspective and it's, it's all subjective too. Like that's what comedy is. Some people like some sort of comedy. Some people don't like some sort of comedy and who some people think suck. Obviously if they're still selling out, they're good to someone. So whose fault is it in the end? If, if people are coming, why not put on a show? Right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that's the other, cause 
I, I think with, with any sort of art form, you know, there's always those purists who are like, oh, these are only what I think are true comedians, or this is right. true. It's like, as you, get, as you get older, it's like, man, there are 8 billion people on the planet. They, they each find different things funny. It's like, you know, it's like, you know, as long as they're not like a, you know, crazy, you know, rapist or a terrible person, like, I don't, they're not hurting when I don't fucking care. Yeah, no kidding. And, and that's what I say, too. Again, with so many people on this planet, there's so much forms of entertainment now, too, that the days of being like that super Hollywood star of like the 90s and, and 80s, that's never going to really happen again. Like, you know what I mean? Because of just the way we consume our, our media and our art, like, you know what I mean? So... If you have a thousand people who follow you versus ten thousand, I still think you're a winner, no matter where you are on that spectrum. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like like you said, like it's not the golden age of you know, like the seventies or eighties, where you know, like if you had an HBO special, everyone saw it and you right. were on everyone's list. Or same with like the tonight the Tonight Show. And I, I and honestly, I think that's a good thing because, like, I know some people are like, ah, oh, you know, these TikTokers aren't like are real comedians. But then, like, I see a TikTok that has like a funnier joke than like most comics I've seen at a club. You sure. know? And you know, it's like it's just some it's just some kid doing something stupid. I'm like, yeah, that's that's fine. You know, let him let him you know let him make his uh, his paper, man. Let him let him find forge his own route. No, it's so true. But again, humans love to hate, right? That's our basis nowadays. So, <laughs> what can you do? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and don't, and don't get me wrong. I do, I do hate. I do hate. But, you know, I try to, I try to be Mr. Nice Guy for the most part. No, that's all we can do, right? Okay, so then another art form, obviously, writing. You also are a screenwriter. You've done a few projects over the years. So, what do you write about? What have? What are some of these projects? Talk to me about this. Okay, yeah. So, um, so after my undergrad, I, I, I went to UCLA and I decided to go to film school because film has always been like my main passion uh nice. like i mean a lot of comedians a lot of comedians that i respect that were the ones who kind of made the transition from stage to screen sure. you know like you know your woody allens uh you know your kevin hartz or if you want to go back to charlie chaplin you know the, the you know the the og of right the, the ha -ha. <laughs> um but but yeah, I mean, like, so I, I mean, I mostly write like uh, comedy, obviously, because I want to write for TV, and you know, I've written some pilots, and you know, I've had nice. meetings and stuff, none of them got them picked up. But uh, recently, I, um, and by recently, I mean like last year, uh, a script I wrote made the blacklist, which is this list of best uh, unproduced screenplays in Hollywood. Oh, and I wrote the, uh, I wrote, uh, I wrote Jerry Springer's uh, biopic, like kind of a take on that and, and I've gotten a producer on board and you know I'm gonna shop it around and you know hopefully that that'll be my that'll be my stepping stone into like that real uh that real film industry type of shit you know no most definitely because I'm a huge movie buff myself I, I always say this I'm I'm on and off now like I find where again it's not the golden age obviously so I think the best era and maybe because obviously I grew up in those two decades but was like the mid to mid eighties to mid nineties, that decade right there alone, oh, fantastic! Like you can't mess with anything. But now it's like okay, hit and miss. It, movies are too long. Movies are this. Movies are repetitive. Like now it's it's, it's all about the superheroes. Then then it's going to be about something else. Like you know what I mean? How do you like in the way you consume your movies? How do you feel that it's progressed or has it degressed in in your opinion? See, I. I, again, I, I, I'm when it comes to technology and stuff, I'm, I'm ever the optimist. And okay. so I, I honestly think there's a lot of great movies coming out. Like, yeah, obviously, you know, Marvel is, is and, you know, the, the less popular DCU 
DCEU, excuse me, is saturating, you know, the, the, the theater screens everywhere. But like you look at like independent films, it's now so much easier mm. to make a movie. A and point. like there and especially with the internet, like there's some like weird experimental stuff going around that I'm like, oh wow, you know, like a lot of voices are like are like making shit that like you'd have to like if this were the seventies, you'd have to go some some weird like leather bar and like watch the movie on a like sixteen millimeter, you know, projector or something, right. you know? And, and so but, you know, at, at the end of the day, like Hollywood is, is such a conservative industry because, you know, they're about the bottom line. You know, if, if like, you know, let's say for whatever reason, like uh, avant-garde films, like that's what the youth wanted. That's what was selling. You know, they, Hollywood would be the first one creating out art house films. But, mm-hmm. you know, like, again, we, 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 you know, we vote with our dollar and, you know, those those Marvel movies make people happy and they make studios a lot of money. So, you know, until until the new trend comes and, and bucks that along, like, you know, that's, that's what we're going to keep getting. Do you think there is hope to having another golden age in film? I think so. I, I the thing is, like, you know, it's weird because you know we say golden age. I, I think there'll be another great age for film, but like, film just isn't as popular as it once was. You know, because now, like, like I mean, like this whole this whole podcast. I mean, you cover right. comic books, you know, <laughs> wrestling, and all. Yeah, it's like it's you know, it's not like the seventies where when the sure. Godfather came out everyone went to go see it and like yeah. it was it was part of our like our national or like international dna as 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 as, uh, as film lovers now it's like you know like like bill burr has a movie and like a lot of comics i know haven't seen it but then there's like oh all, all my art friends are like oh you got to watch past lives and again there's just so much I, I think that's the thing we're just we're overwhelmed we're inundated with content that it's it's just like that those conversations about like you know things that were pop culture staples just they, they, they aren't as salient because again we have so much more to choose from it's so true and i had this conversation last week on on, on the show where i was uh i'm talking about episode uh season one and two of seinfeld with a few buddies of mine and we're just going to run down all the seasons eventually and the one thing i miss is that water cooler experience the next day when everyone watches that one episode because now we stream when we want to so no one really talks about anything because everyone puts out spoilers spoilers and then if you want like you, you just said you go out and you could listen to a podcast that just reviews it so then that's how you get your just of it right but i still miss that one-on-one interaction to see how people felt the next day about something Oh yeah, no, I I agree with that. I, I think that that sense of because I mean the whole community has been moved online, and again, like you have people from all over the world. So you know, you're again, you're going to get you know a, a million and one perspectives, which which is great. But uh, like you said, that water cooler t- uh, talk, that sense of like unity or community is uh, is a bit more fragmented. And um, like I, I was reading this uh, this article that I thought was really interesting. And, you know, like you said, you, you thought the, the big heyday for your uh, films were like, were the eighties. Like I, I read that because of streaming and, uh, and all these other services we have, like a job that my generation lost, you know, was the video store clerk. Cause right. that's, that's like, that was the original weird guy. You know, you're just some like call a, a college student, you know, like, Oh, Hey, you want to watch uh, you want to watch death wish Four? you right. know, like all the streets of the VHS, VHS stuff that I think like I would have been a great video store clerk in, in the eighties and nineties, but that's, that's gone now, you know, because like, again, everything's, everything's up in the cloud. It's, it's not, we don't really have, I mean, we, yeah, we really don't have physical media. I, I don't know about in Canada, but Best Buy said they're no longer selling DVDs and Blu-rays here. Oh shit. Really? Oh, I got to look into that. Yeah. Cause well, we're still a little bit behind. We still, uh, to- Toys R Us is still functioning up here. So, <laughs> 
So I, I got it, but I've I've noticed though a lot of those physical like uh, brick and mortar stores are closing down, like Best Buys, like the Circuit Cities, like stuff like that. They're all like shutting down, and it's because of the the giants like Amazon and everything you could buy online and digitally, like even video games. Like now you you could buy a system that doesn't even take a cartridge or a CD or anything f- physical. You could just download it all on, onto your system, right? Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, I, I mean, I have the the PS Five with the with the media slot because again, I, I, I still, I still like physical media because I, I am a collector and yeah. I just don't like kind of being at the mercy of streaming services. Like, if I want to watch a movie, that's a good point. I want to watch whatever I want. It's not like oh, I want to. I have to wait two months until it goes into circulation again. You know that that to me is like the thing I don't like. And you know, and again, I like booklets. You know, like uh, like for me. You know, like, like I, I you know, I'll, I'll collect records, and it was never about like, oh, I can tell the fidelity. Like, I don't know, I don't have the fucking ear for that. But I like the liner notes. You know, I liked, I liked reading, like, oh, so and so produced this, or this person sure. was the the saxophone. You know, like, I feel like that kind of stuff is is, is going away, where where people aren't as media point. literate because again, they're they're not exposed to like the the special features. You know, it's very much like just give me the quickest. Uh, the quickest access to this film and, you know, like start to finish there. That's it. I don't want to watch any of the bonus features or any of that other stuff or read about its production. Like, like, yeah, not like, I remember when, um, well, you know, when, cause I, again, I used to go to Best Buy like every week mm-hmm. and pick up movies. Sure. You look at the back and it'd give you like a, a creative synopsis and add right. great artwork. Love it. Now, when you go to, now when you go to Netflix, it's like, it's just the very, the adult thumbnail that says like, this movie won an award. You should 90, you know, 97% you're going to like it or whatever, you know, it's like, there's more avenues for someone to make direct produce movies, but they're not really getting the credits they deserve. Cause again, same thing with you. When I was younger, I would look at the back. I would know who's a good producer. Like I had my share of good, like I knew this person, Oh, this person made this movie. So, okay, this one's got to be at least half decent and so forth. It wasn't just about the people you saw on screen. Whereas now it's like you said, you just get that little thumbnail. Like, and, and even like with video games, I used to love opening up, uh, a game and seeing a booklet nice and thick where you could just sit on your toilet and read it like you know what i mean like th- that was the good old yeah. days but again i'm, I'm old so <laughs> yeah no i mean i i think you know i definitely sympathize with that and you know luckily you know there again like there are so many online communities that you know it's it just it takes more effort now where it's like it okay like let me find like like-minded individuals who like the same thing but i i will tell you one thing i i don't miss and and i, I don't get like okay um here, I don't know, here, here in the States, like, lately people are like, oh, don't you miss Blockbuster, you know, like, every Friday night going to Blockbuster. And I never got that shit because I, personally, I wasn't a fan of Blockbuster. Okay. Because I was a, I was a bigger fan of the mom and pop video stores. Gotcha. Because Blockbuster, Blockbuster, you know, like, they were like, oh, yeah, it's like, bro, but those were, like, the most boring movies. Like, it was just the, like, talking, talking about, like, limiting your selection. It was like, okay, this is, like, the, the big Blockbuster that came out. We're not going to have porn or like exploitation movies because we're Mormon and we don't like that. But like, I, I, I miss like the mom and pop shops where you would go and you know, you'd have like the VHSs and like their sleeves everywhere. And then like yeah. the, the adult section was beaded off, you yeah. know, with that door. Yeah. Uh, it was either the beads or that the uh, Western door that flips back and forth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like a saloon. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, cause, cause I mean like, like all the, like some of the movies I really grew up loving like the really gory ones like your mad max your the warriors Mm. escape from new york i never i never got those for blockbuster 
because you know like they i mean maybe escape from new york cause that was a, a bigger one right but like uh but like yeah i mean like you go to the mom and pop store you'd see like you'd see you know like uh you'd see uh all, all like all three mad max movies you'd see the warriors and then you'd yep. see stuff like Rumblefish, and and you'd be like oh okay well, cool i can pick different things yeah uh so I don't know. I I, I really hate this blockbuster nostalgia because I think I think that's just a load of crap. So whenever I hear someone say like, "Oh, I miss blockbuster," like just because because you like the lamp before time, you can watch the movie. <laughs> you can watch the movie without blockbuster. It was it really didn't have much selection, and shit was overpriced anyway. Well, and, and that's what Again, I was just. I don't, I don't wanna... No, I was going to bring that up too because I was on your boat as well. I was like, when blockbusters first started, there was one that popped up in my neighborhood, and we still had like three or four mom and pops around the area, and it was fantastic. You just go in, everything was cheaper. Like it was like, and a lot cheaper. Like not just like buy a buck. It was like almost double that blockbuster compared to some of these mom and pops to just rent a game or a movie, right? But then slowly but surely, you saw the demise of the mom and pops until that last one was left, holding on, holding on. And then that one goes. And then now it's like, oh, now I have no more choice. And then after you get sucked into that blockbuster Kool-Aid that they were selling you, because they had so many copies of everything. They had this, they had that. You could rent systems, you could do this. And then they even made it so it's like like an experience at one point. And it was like, for a teenage young kid, like that was like going the closest thing going to Disneyland. Yeah, no, I, I mean, again, I, I think I, you know, in the brick and mortar stuff, it, it ain't coming back. No, so you I don't know, think so. so, so well, yeah, no, no, definitely not coming. It's, it takes up too much space, and Amazon needs that for you know the next thousand warehouses it's going to build. But uh, like, I, that's that's why I tell people like, if you really miss that stuff, like you, you got to adapt. You got to be an internet uh, scavenger now. Like, go on, go on your Reddit's, go on like film blogs. You know, follow these pages yep. and. I mean, again, that's how you, that's how you re, you know, re, re, restore that sense of community. Like, it's not going to be the same as you and your buddies, like, no. you know, outside of Seven Eleven, you know, talking about like, uh, or like Blue Velvet, but you know, like, <laughs> but you know, I've been introduced to a lot of great foreign films that way and stuff that I would have never been able to hear about had I been born like 10 or 20 years earlier. No, that's a good point. And a good place too is flea markets. These flea markets have some oh, yeah. quality and, and, and it's in good shape too for a nice price. It's better than eBay. I like, I don't understand some of these prices on eBay. Like it's, it's just crazy shit. Yeah. I, yeah. And then, but I also hate when everything's a collector's item on eBay and it's like, <laughs> right? Oh, you know, like this old, this old VHS of Ghostbusters, you know, it's like <laughs> first time I'm going to sell it for like 200 bucks. Like what? <laughs> Oh my! But the one thing I don't miss about the mom and pops was the sleazy mom and pops where they would take advantage of people and be like, "Oh, I'll give you like." In my instance, it would be like for video games because I always go back to that. So it would be like, "Okay, I'll go rent video games," and then I would trade them in as I would buy some too. And it would be like, "Oh, I'll trade you. The, uh, I'll give you this one new game for three games." And it's like, "What? That how? That's that good math?" And they're like, "Take it or leave it. Take it or leave." It. And then they put that pressure on you, and they're like. Oh, Okay, fine. Here, have it. And then you feel like, oh, yeah, I got a new game. And then the guy sells all those three games for the same price, and he comes out making triple. <laughs> see, I, I never see. I never really rented video games, so okay. like, I never had that experience. I, I, uh, I'm sorry you went through that. <laughs> but like the, uh, the, the mom and pop video store that I had was like just two blocks from my house. Okay. And my dad, like, like I said, you know, my parents are from Mexico. My dad doesn't speak any English, so I had to fill out the forms sure. like a seven year old. And like, and you know, there was. I remember there was a section that says, "Do you? Uh, is it okay if your kid rents rated R movies?" And Shut obviously, up. I put yes. Awesome. So then, after school, 
so after school, you know, like, you know, I'd get my, you know, my two bucks to rent it for a day. Yeah. And then, you know, I'd, I'd like, I'd get through all the Halloween movies or nice. all the Friday the 13th movies. And, and so that, that's what I, I did love that free, you know, again, it's like, it's like internet in the, in the nineties when it was really unrestricted and you and your buddies went on rotten.com, you know, that, that's, that's kind of the same feeling I had. That's hilarious. That's a great comparison. I never thought of it that way. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, quickly, let's go back to the writing thing then. What's. What would be your dream script or dream project to work on? Oh man, that's that's tough. I mean, obviously, I'd want it to be an original idea. You know, where like you know, I have like full reins with like a you know a writer director type of thing. I don't. There's there's like one story that I really love that I that I, I've written an outline for and some pages, but. I, I don't think it'll ever get made by one of the big studios is there. Um, there's a story of, um, of four uh, American soldiers who defected to North Korea after mm-hmm. the Korean war. Okay. And they became celebrities in North Korea. Like oh, they shit. became, uh, they became the evil Americans in all the propaganda films. Mm. And, and, you know, they were tortured and there's a bunch of other stuff, but that story to me is really weird. How one of the guys, um, I believe his name is James Dresnoff. Okay. He ended up living the rest of his life in North Korea and he like lived a happy life. He started wow. a family and all this stuff. And, you know, he was a poor kid from the American South who had no opportunities here. And then he goes to North Korea and finds everything he's looking for. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Actually, that does, does, does sound interesting. And yeah, and th- that's great that you said that original ideas. Cause again, as much as you want to be, aligned to something like Marvel and then be set for life. It's like, but you want something, you want your stamp. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I mean, it's, I mean, this is what the conversations, uh, you know, I'd have with my, my film school buddies. It's like some people want to break into the studios and make big pictures. And I'm like, that's cool. Like I, I, and some people are like, Oh, you know, I'd rather make small scale, small scale films and, and have them, you know, make their rounds around festivals. And, you know, and that's cool too. You know, like, you know, at at this point for me, like I'm also like, I just want to get paid to write, you know, like if, if I do that, I feel like I'm better than 99% of uh, people in the profession. So like, if, if, if that means like, Oh, Hey, you know, write for, you know, write for this, uh, this show on, on Hulu or write for this show on Netflix. It's like, it might not be my favorite show, but I, I get paid to write dick jokes. I'm like, that to me is a win. You know, I'm, I'm not too, I'm not too picky where I feel like, like, you know, some people are like, Oh, I want to make the next great American film. I mean, like, and you know, those are lofty goals and you know, more power to you, you know, but for me, it's like, yeah, if I get paid to write jokes in, in any capacity, that's, that, that to me is a win. That is not a wasted life. Well, and it also broadens your avenue because then you're you're out there for more projects. Because if you're just confined to just say writing drama or writing comedy, then people aren't going to call upon you. Like, why not write for crazy, like you said, dick jokes for this, that? Even write for an animated series, for example, or like you know what I mean? Why not? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, you got to keep your options open, as they say. Okay, before we end this off, then touch briefly. You're into also video games. You got PS Five. When did you get into video games? Was this always like a child thing or did you get it into later on in your life? Oh yeah, no, I, I've been, you know, video games have always been, you know, part of my life. I think like anyone born after like 1985, like, like video games are just, are, are just standard. But um, <laughs> for me, like, so, so I mean, the games I really love, like I, I, if we're talking about golden age, like, like I, I was fortunate enough to live through like rock stars golden age where like you know grand theft auto 3 yep. manhunt the warriors san andreas yeah. all the way to grand theft auto 4 came out yeah. and like I, I i remember the real controversy those games stirred like i remember right? uh, 
because you know you know like you know I, like the first time i really remember people getting mad at video games for being violent was uh after columbine where they're like oh man doom is gonna make you a, a school shooter and stuff oh, and, and right. then you know and then uh then when grand theft auto came out i remember like oh you know rockstar games is, is teaching a whole generation how to like be criminals and all this stuff and to me that was that was the appeal of uh of video games you know like that that that, that's, that was like the what was so sexy about it that it was like oh man this is this really this little disc is causing this much uh, this much trouble and uh and now i mean now like again i, I don't really play as I, I am playing the new mortal Kombat because okay. I, I i am a big mortal Kombat fan so yes, you know like that's that's the game that's a game i'm just waiting for all the dlc characters all the combo packs or all the all the combat packs excuse me uh, like that's yeah that's that's basically what's in my main rotation right now yeah well and speaking of controversy i remember when the first mortal Kombat came out i was old enough i played it originally in the arcade and then when it came in transition to the home systems oh my god what controversy there i think that was probably one of the first games that i noticed that caused controversy at least on the nintendo because pc was a little bit different you could push the borderline on there like they sort of already had like risky games so to speak and stuff like that but on like a nintendo console mortal Kombat even had to take out the blood and all that like that was a big issue so that's why a lot of people hopped on sega because like oh it's the cool big brother like you know it's like the rated r system sort of thing like i don't mind a little bit of competitiveness but when it becomes tribal that's when it's like okay now it's starting to hurt because you need you need competition in order to get better because then there's no market and then you just stay stale and then like you know what i mean so i i enjoyed a little bit of that nintendo versus sega but then it got old once it was like you saw them trying to bury each other if that makes sense yeah i mean i kind of uh see i mean because since i'm a, a little younger than you I, I didn't really live through that but like the play ps2 versus xbox that was a big one too. console wars yeah yeah and you know then i remember you know, PS3 ended up having the Blu-ray player, and that's what like ended up giving the edge. And now they still have the Blu-ray player. And I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think PS5 is the is the best-selling console of its generation, right? I believe so because the Switch doesn't count because it's already considered an old generation. So, yeah. yeah, but I think the Switch is up there, t- or unless it's still the Wii, because I know the Wii broke a lot of records too when that thing first came out. Oh, what, people are still buying Wiis. No, I'm saying back in the day, like I think it was. Uh, when I can't don't quote me on this, but I think as of like two or three years ago, it, it was still the best selling system of all time. So unless the PS5 oh, okay, now has I surpassed it, I, I I could see that. All right, I'm gonna look that up, and I I, I don't want to speak unintelligently. So if I'm <laughs> wrong, don't don't crucify me. Oh, you know people will. <laughs> Again, we've touched on it throughout the episode. <laughs> nice oh man any video games you're looking forward to to play or that you haven't played yet uh, like honestly man it's it's mostly movies but like just like the kid in me will will always wait for the new grand theft auto that is I feel so like, far away i, I like yeah I, I you know i could be 72 and i'll still be playing you know grand theft auto you know nine and and mortal Kombat 17 or whatever they're at like you know, like I, those are those are just like just like flagship uh, franchises that like that are just so I don't know, like that really embody my 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 cultural DNA. You know, like I can't imagine life without Grand Theft Auto or you know fatalities. No, it's so true that whole GTA series, like even the the new one that's coming out now, and and they dropped a trailer for, it, and then at the end it shows twenty twenty five. It's like everyone was so happy, and then it's like boom, it's like oh shit, and then you see everyone click in. 
oh man, next year is 2024. Oh no, we got to wait a whole full year before this thing comes out and it's like a bunch of booze. See, I, I don't, I don't mind the delays. Like I, I, yeah, because now, now with like so many companies having to report to the you know stockholders every quarter That's and true. stuff, like they, they, they rush out games that are like oh, yeah. buggy and, and incomplete and Rockstar knows like as soon as uh, GTA six drops, that's going to be their next game for like another 10 years. So I'd rather have them like release it later, make it perfect. And then, and you can enjoy it for like, you know, enjoy online, you know, until Grand Theft Auto seven. No, no kidding. Oh my God. That's amazing. All right, Greg, thank you so much for coming aboard today. My friend really appreciate it. Plug whatever you want to promote, any upcoming shows, your socials. No, I mean, I don't have any shows coming up. I, I got to check my calendar. I, I should have done that before we uh, we did this. But uh, no, just you can follow me uh, on uh, on social media. Uh, at Greg Roque is lame. That's my handle for everything. That's R-O-Q-U-E is lame. Greg Roque is lame. And yeah, man, I mean, it was a, it was a pleasure sitting down, talking with you, and uh, can't wait to see the final product. No, awesome. And for myself, you can find me on X and Instagram under Finger Styles. You can follow the podcast on X, the podcast DAP. Email us your thoughts, suggestions, comments, anything you want to get off your chest at the podcast DAP at gmail.com. Please rewind to the top of the show. Support those fine sponsors because if it helps them, it most definitely helps me out. Most importantly, rate, subscribe, review on all the major platforms. And if this is the first time you listen to the podcast and you want to go back and listen to other comedians, please listen to episodes featuring such comedians as Adam Hunter, Camila Cleese, and Jade Cataprita, just to name a few all right my friend one last question before i let you go we touched on gta favorite series of all time which is your favorite of the gta's if you could only play one for the rest of your life which one would it be Tough. oh man i if i had to pick one i think just because like i really think it it really changed everything for me i i, I gotta go san andreas that's a good shout out even even though I think GTA Four is the best Grand Theft Auto, the physics and everything, I think I think San Andreas was way more important. Oh, there you go, there you go. That's awesome. I'll throw in Vice City because I wasn't really uh, okay. I'm not. I shouldn't say I wasn't a fan, but Grand Theft Auto Three didn't really blow me over the top. But once I saw Vice City and then that huge map and then everything you could do and then the soundtrack, because again, being a baby of the '80s, like all that stuff, I grew up on. Oh fantastic shit yeah no not a bad trick i mean rockstar knows how to make soundtracks they do don't they on that note he's greg i'm steve this is the podcast peace